some, uh, some honest answers uh, that, that came out there and uh, some, some good things. Uh, dads, we look at this and, and think about uh, the challenge we have in raising children and raising them to know Christ. For those of you who, who have children, for those of you who one day will have children, uh, it's a challenge to be a parent, to be a dad. For those of you who uh, your kids are grown and you're in that grandfather, uh, grandmothering stage, uh, a different challenge, but a challenge nonetheless. We all have a responsibility in uh, raising our children to know the Lord. Uh, this morning I want to uh, talk to you. Um, it is, of course, Father's Day, and, and so I wanted to bring a special Father's Day message. So we're going to take a little sidetrack detour from our study in Thessalonians. And Lord willing, we'll pick up there um, next week. But this morning, I want to talk to you about the man who makes a difference. Being the man God called you to be. So this is a message for us men. And I don't care if you're here this morning, you're, you're a dad, you're not a dad. You're a man, you're here. Then I want you to pay close attention. And ladies... I want you to be an encouragement to your husband, so please refrain from the elbowing in the side when a point is for your husband or your boyfriend. Let's let the Holy Spirit try this this morning instead of us, you know. And then at the end of the day, they still don't have it, you can give them the old elbow, all right? Uh, but anyways, let's look to the Lord in prayer, though, as we get started. Father, I thank you. Thank you for this Father's Day. Thank you for those that you've brought here this morning and Lord, as we gather together and worship you, Lord, I pray that during this time we would hear from you. That, Lord, you would speak to us through your word. And that the Holy Spirit of God would search each and every heart throughout the pews here this morning. And, Lord, that you would draw us to understanding and what it means to be a person of impact. A person who makes a difference in this life as we journey through uh, these days, Lord, I pray that we would live in a way that will point others to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if there's anyone here this morning that does not know Christ, Lord, I pray that you deal especially with their heart, that you would draw them to repentance, that they would come to the understanding of who Christ is and what Christ has done on their behalf, that they may be set free from the bonds of sin and experience eternal life. And so, Lord, we give this to you today. May you be honored and glorified. And on this Father's Day, we honor you, Father, by thanking you and praising you. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was working on this PowerPoint, initially this was for my Sunday school class. And in our Sunday school class, we are going through a book by Jim George. And uh, if somebody in my class, if you have that book, raise that nice and high. Uh, let me borrow that for a second. This is the book. It's by Jim George. It's called The Man Who Makes a Difference. And it's 10 Keys to a Life of Impact. And um, in this book, we're, we're hitting on the 10 keys that help us as men to be godly men. And so some of the things that we'll see here this morning uh, is sort of an overview, if you will, of what we're going through and what we're discussing in our Sunday school class. If you're not in a Sunday school class... I would encourage you to come, be a part. We'd love to have you. We've only hit on key number one, so you haven't really missed a whole lot. But as I was sitting down and preparing this PowerPoint, and it was actually several weeks back that I was working on this message, 
And I was using the open office presentation document. Anybody from here with the open office presentation document? Okay, there's only three of us in here that can't afford PowerPoint. So thank you for acknowledging that. Yeah, open office is the free software. Well, it was interesting because when I started to um, put together this presentation, there were these natural headings as if I were in a, let's assume we were in a business meeting and I was giving a business presentation there were certain headings that helped you, so you didn't have to reinvent the wheel, to walk people through the product presentation. So if I was presenting a product that I was wanting to sell and I was wanting to try and get people on board with this product that I was presenting, it already had in place a basic outline that you could follow. And it was interesting because as I was going through, I thought, well, you know what? In, in a weird way, this works very much with in presenting Christ, in presenting what it means to become a godly man. And no, we don't have a product to present. We have a person to present. And I want any confusion on that. And just because it works, we're not pragmatic in this church. Just because something works doesn't mean it's true. Truth is truth because it's truth. But with all that said, I still think, you know what, this would be a neat way for a Father's Day message. So as we go through this today, uh, I'm going to... Uh, use the natural headings that were in this software and use that to present to you today's message on being a man who makes a difference and understanding what it means being the, the man that God has called you to be. So let's walk through this and let's take a look. I think as it unfolds, you'll understand uh, all that verbiage I just gave you. When presenting a product, you say, well, what is the long-term goal? What, are, what do we hope to accomplish in presenting this? Well, let's think about this for a minute. Fathers, men, Christian, as a follower of Christ, for those of you here who are truly born-again believers. By the way, the church is a gathering place for those who come to worship God. Those who know Christ. You can't be technically part of the church unless you are a believer. Now, you can come sit in the four walls, and we hope you do. But the true church is only made up of those who are truly born again. So what about us Christians? What are our long-term goals? Romans 8.29 gives us a glimpse. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Christian, our long-term goal is to be conformed to the image of Christ. If you're here this morning and Christ is your Lord and Savior, <coughs> excuse me, can I have somebody maybe get me some agua? would be great. Thank you, Randall. If you're here and you're a Christian, our goal is to be conformed to the image of His Son. With every passing day, we should look more like Christ. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? Our long-term goals. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Matthew 25, 23. We talked about this this morning in our Sunday school class. 
You know, the world says success looks like this or looks like that. For some of you who are in the business world, the secular world, thank you, Randall. Some of you, how'd you get at that brown color? That's, that's weird. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Some of you in the secular world, you know this. The world says success is career. Got to have a great career. Got to make a lot of money. That's success for some folks, and that's how that's their motivating factor. You know, I got to I, I got to get a better paying job so I can get more stuff. Hey, maybe the social status if I live in this community instead of that community. And so the world jockeys for position, and they all chase after what they think is success. And it's all vanity. You see, this passage of Scripture right here tells us what success is. If you're here today and you want to know the real measuring stick of success, you read that passage. We long to hear the words one day, Well done my good and faithful servant. You'll never be successful. You'll never be a person of impact in your life unless you are a faithful servant of Christ. Period. You cannot be successful and be disobedient to the Lord. Oh, you may look good on the outside. You may succeed in the world's eyes, but you're still a failure if you get to the end of your life and you have not obeyed the things of God. So our long-term goal is to be conformed to the image of Christ and to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Fathers, dads, men, how are we doing? (sighs) Customer wishes. You know, if I was doing a business presentation, again, we want to establish what our long-term goals are so we'll know where we're moving. We've got to know this so that we know that we're moving in the right direction to reach those goals. And sometimes, you know, in a business presentation, someone will say, well, what are the customer wishes? What are the customer wishes? Well, let's think about it. If you're a man here today and you want to know what it means to be conformed to the image of Christ, you want to know what it means to be successful in the eyes of God, what are the customer wishes? Describe the customer needs and wishes. Well, let me tell you what these customers here today need. We need to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want to be conformed to the image of Christ, you want to look more like Christ, you want to become more of a man who impacts your family, impacts the culture around you, you need to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. What should be our desire? What are our wishes? I wish to be more like Christ. Is that your wish? I mean, is that your prayer? Is that what you really desire? You see, I realize with a message like this today, it hits and it misses. For some of you, it hits. Because the Spirit of God is at work in your life, and, 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 and you, you don't like where you are spiritually. You're not satisfied with where you are. There's a desire in your heart. There's a longing to know Christ more. There's a longing to be more in line with His truth, to know Him, to walk closer to Him. This is how. And for some of you, it misses. You know, when I did sales 
By the way, when I, I was telling this earlier in, in the men's Bible study in, in our Sunday school class, when I was first saved, God put me into a new work environment, and I was very thankful for that. And in that work environment, I, was, uh, I did sales. And, and I've done sales, what I call my BC days before Christ. And I've done you know, sales as a Christian. And God taught me a lot in, in, in those two fields. As a non-believer, I had no problem presenting a product, no matter what it may be, whether it's retail, whether you know, um, it's office supplies, whatever it is you're selling. And by the way, some of you in here may be in sales, and, and you can relate to this. But it doesn't matter what the product is. As an unbeliever, I had no problem misrepresenting the product. And in fact, sometimes as an unbeliever, I just flat out lie to try and sell the product. Now, there's a lot of people out in the world still doing that today. It doesn't bother them a bit because all they care about is that cha-ching. But you know, when I became a born-again believer and now I was put back into a sales position, big change. I didn't have a desire to just make the sale. In fact, I had a desire to be honest and be truthful in all my representation, even if it cost me the sale. And a lot of times it did. But I found in being honest and representing the product truthfully, God had a way of bringing me other sales. In fact, my most successful days as a salesman was as a believer. And yet the world would have said the way I was selling would never, I would never make it in the sales world. Um, again, one of the things, and for those of you who've been in sales and, and understand this, that the best product to sell is the product you believe in. You see, there were times when I did sales and I didn't really like the product, I didn't really believe in the product, and so therefore it was kind of hard for me to push the product. And then as a believer, a little easier, because if I didn't like the product, I just told the customer, you know what, I, I don't really recommend that one. They want us to sell those, in fact, that's what they're pushing this month, but I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't use that one, so, you know. But, this product is excellent. And, you know, this one seems to be the, the one the customer likes the most. And, and so, again, I was able to present the truth, and it was easy when I believed in the product. Why don't I use this as an analogy? Well, because here's what I, I think. I, I, I believe that when you have truly met Christ when you've met the person and you understand who he is, you can't help but represent him. You can't help but share him because you believe in him. You know who he is. You know what he's done for you. You know how he's changed your life. And so it's easy to share that information. It's easy to share him with others. And that should be our desire. Explain the requirements. Abide in Christ. His Word should abide in you. Men, fathers, 
If we're to be the, the person that God has called us to be, the only way you and I can do that is by abiding in His Word and His Word abiding in you. Are you in God's Word? That's, by the way, our first key we looked at today in the ten keys of being a man who impacts people around you. The first key was the Bible. And if you don't know God's Word, that's where you need to start today. You need to get into God's Word and let God's Word get into you and change your life. Don't just be a hearer of the Word, but be a doer of the Word. Allow it to change you. So... Abide in Christ, John 15, 5. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You want to know what it's required? You know what is required to be a godly man? These two things right here. Guys, I'm breaking this down real simple today. Okay? This is cookies on the bottom shelf here. In fact, it's probably more like broccoli on the bottom shelf because it's good for you. (laughs) Okay? Abide in His Word. Deny yourself. Is it easy to be a follower of Christ in the day in which we live? No. But God has called us to do this. He's called us to deny ourselves. Sometimes it's hard. We've got to take up our Christ and follow. And follow Him. How are we doing with that? Well... Fulfilling the customer needs. How are we going to fulfill the customer needs? Well, in order for me to determine how to fulfill the customer's needs, I need to describe the main attributes of the product. By the way, again, now I didn't make these. These were in the, in the little PowerPoint presentation. But I find it interesting because, again, describe the main attributes of the person. You see, what I'm offering is not a product. It's a person. I'm offering Christ. And in Him abundant life. So what are the attributes of Christ? And that's the term they use. Holiness. Righteousness. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's forgiving. He's loving. He's giving. These are the attributes. These are just some. By the way, we could go on and on and on. I mean, there's a lot of attributes in describing who God is in the person of Christ. So, with that said, fulfilling those customer needs. We need to link the product attributes to the customer. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, let's think about holiness. What did God say in His Word, men? Be ye holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 1.16. And this is not just to men, this is to all of us. If we want to be people who impact this world around us, we want to be uh, uh, people who are agents of change, conduits of grace, God says, be holy, because I'm holy. Is your life marked by holiness? I mean, let's, let's stop and let's chew on this for a minute. Are are we living holy lives? Are we set apart for God's glory? There's very little messages preached today on holiness and a call to God's people to be holy. I can't be holy in my own strength. I'll fail and I'll be frustrated every time. But if I am yielding to the Spirit of God at work in my heart, I'm abiding in His Word and His Word's abiding in me, 
then I, it's kind of like that before and after, the before Christ and the after in my selling. I can't help but represent Christ. I can't help but be changed in my approach. If I'm yielding to Christ, if I'm abiding in His Word, if I'm walking in the Spirit, then He wants to and He desires to change us and conform us to the image of His Son. And so as I walk in obedience to the Word that I'm learning and as I, and, and as I seek God's wisdom and guidance and direction, taking my cross and denying myself, instead of me doing what I wanted to do in this situation, I know based upon what I've been reading in God's Word and how the Spirit of God is tugging at my heart and conscience that I need to do this. Is that easy? No. So I take up my cross daily and I follow Him. Righteousness. For He made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You see, when I stand before God as a believer in Christ, I don't stand in my own righteous deeds. I stand clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If I've come to that place of repentance and faith in Christ, I've received the gift that's offered to me through Christ, then I stand in His righteousness, not my own. So, merciful... Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also was merciful. Luke 6.36 Again, these same attributes that are found in the person of Christ, we are commanded in Scripture to exemplify them, to live them. So if we're followers of Christ, these should be attributes that mark our life. We should be people who are merciful. Gracious. Forgiving. Are you gracious? Are you forgiving? Or do you hold a grudge? I'm not going to let that person... I'm not going to forgive that person because you just don't know what they did to me. You don't know... Look, that's not an attribute of God. God says that we're to be gracious and forgiving and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know, I, I, I remember the light coming on and me realizing this for the first time as a young believer, that a holy God, perfect in all His ways, was willing to forgive me, a sinful, fallen man. And yet me, a fallen, sinful man, wouldn't forgive a fellow fallen sinful man. Something's wrong with that picture. We are to forgive one another even as God in Christ forgave you. And when I realized that, when I recognized that a holy God, perfect in all His ways, was willing to forgive a sinful, wicked-hearted man such as myself, I fell to my knees and I cried out for forgiveness. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Because you see, in the moment I realized, how could I not forgive? Yes, some bad things have been done. Yes, some backstabbing, some whatever. Whatever you've been through, you know the hurt that's inflicted. But then compare it to the hurt that Christ must have felt upon the cross at Calvary when His very creation, who He loved, did what they did to Him 
upon Calvary. And yet I won't forgive. We're to forgive as Christ forgave us. What else? Loving. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 1 John 3, 11 through 24. Again, if you and I are truly going to be the men of God that God has called us to be, if we're to become godly men, then we need to be loving. That's one of the needs that we have. We need to be loving. We also need to be giving. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He did to us. Acts 15.8 And all we got to do is, again, look to the cross. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God's a God of, of, of giving. He's a giving God. Are you a giving person? So, what's the cost? What's the cost analysis? You know, if we were in a, in a business meeting and, and, and we were looking at all these things of what the customer needs and, and the product and all this kind of stuff, you know, we're going to get to that point where, well, hey, what's this going to cost us? What's the bottom line here? Well, if you want to become a godly man, there is a cost involved. Indicate the financial benefits to the customer. Oh, what are the benefits to the customer? We, yeah, we got to point that out. We can't just look at, you know, the negative. We've got to, what are the positives? But with that, we also got to compare the quality and price with those of the competition. So, oh, well, you get to this one, uh, Pastor. That, that one's a little trickier there. That, you know, that, you're going to jump ship here. No, check this out. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. You want to know, uh, compare the quality and price with those of the competition? You know who the competition is? Satan. But Satan, the thief, does not come except to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. And if you're living apart from Christ today, then you are walking according to the principality of the air. Jesus told the Pharisees, you are of your father the devil. He said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, that's a little sharp preacher. God says in His Word that to be a friend with the world is to be an enemy of God. You can't have it both ways. You can't have one foot in the ship and one foot out of the ship. You're either on board or you're not. You're either a follower of Christ or you're not. What are the benefits? Well, hey, Christ said that I've come to give life and give it more abundantly. You want to know what it's like to experience a successful life. And when I say successful life, again, I'm using God's measuring stick, not the world's. Joy, peace, those are some things Christ offers. Now, you can have joy and peace, and the storm may be raging all around you. 
Because happiness is determined by your happenstances. Happiness is determined by your happenings. We don't want to just be happy people, though sometimes you can be happy people and that's great. But happy people are only happy when the things are happening in their life that make them happy. Are you happy to hear that? (laughs) But people who have joy and have peace, it's not contingent upon what's happening around them. There may be a lot of bad things going on in your life. There may be some terrible storms that are raging all around you. But when you know Christ, then you have a peace that passes all understanding. You have a joy that abides no matter what is going on around you. Christ came to give life, to give it more abundantly. 